You're listening to episode eight of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. I'm Tara, he's Alex, and this week we're keeping it short and sweet and telling a few stories about what makes Cardinals baseball so special. Welcome back, everyone. We hope that your week has been lovely so far. And as always, we're glad that you've decided to make us a little part of your weekly schedule. We're now eight shows in and we're working on some fun stuff for the new year. Maybe some special guests, some mailbag episodes. Of course, we're looking forward to the arrival of spring and the baseball that will come with it. As always, feel free to send us your suggestions and ideas. You just never know when they might pop up on the show. But for now, it is still very much winter and very much quiet. And full disclosure, we're recording this episode early because of the holiday week. So rather than trying to get super topical and predict what conversations might be relevant in a week's time, although Alex, now that I'm saying that out loud, it might be fun to try to predict (laughs) what the headlines might be. Maybe we should try that. Um, But instead, we're going to veer a little more into story time and less into breaking news. And we want to just kind of take a, a little piece of this time of reflection and and joy and talk about our favorite things about baseball and why it means so much to us and how we can share that with all of you. So Alex, let's jump right into it. Do you want to do you want to kick us off here and talking about our favorite things, the things we're most thankful for about Cardinals baseball? Yeah, I will. Um this isn't really one thing, um but what I think I'm very thankful for is I grew up in central Illinois in the 80s. And the reason why I say that is because I grew up in one of those towns that's right on the border of Cardinals and Cubs territory. And my parents are not from the area, so they didn't have, and this is a town called Lincoln, Illinois, which is not far from Springfield or, or that far from Bloomington Normal. My parents are not from the area, so there were, we didn't really have any outside influences, meaning my my brother, my older brother, and I of, of who to root for, and that resulted in my brother being a Cubs fan and uh, me being a Cardinals fan, um, which is how it is to this day. And sometimes when you're watching a Cardinals Cubs game, and you see, it, and when it's like a nationally televised game, this is more the case on like a you know one of those ESPN Sunday night games, uh, which are going to be on an hour earlier this year, which I'm very happy about. That's, that's kind of beside the point. Anyway. Um, Sometimes they'll show like a Cardinals fan sent with a Cubs fan and they'll say something like, this is a friendly rivalry, you know, in baseball, blah, blah, blah. And I think a lot of people kind of groan, you know, when they hear that. But that kind of res- actually resonates with me. Um, if, if I were to, and I've mentioned this before uh, in, in other places, but if I were to look at like, say, my third grade class picture, I could go down the list and tell you which kids were the Cubs fans and which kids were the Cardinals fans. You know, it was kind of like one of the ways we identified ourselves. And it really was like the whole friendly rivalry really was a thing with us. Um, you know, these were our friends, these were our family members. Um, and I, I know a lot of people always talk about how awful Twitter is. Um, and it is pretty, it can be awful. Um, but for the most part, I, I, I guess I enjoy Twitter, but one of the things I don't like about it is like, kind of like how vile, um, you know, starting with like best fans saying, you know what I'm mean? like, like you, you hear just like the, if you're a Cubs fan, I'm sure there's Cardinal accounts too that just like drive you up the wall. Just like this can't honestly be how people are. And I think that and the reason why I bring up Central Illinois is because I think like when you get closer to Chicago or when you get closer to St. Louis, um, 
it's no longer as friendly. <laughs> and I think it's because they're not living amongst each other as, as, as I did growing up in Illinois. Um, and I'm just going to kind of segue that into uh, the very first baseball game I ever went to was in 1987. And it was uh, April of 1987. I want to say it was like April 10th or April 14th. And they were playing the Mets. It was a Saturday night. I was eight years old. And I just remember walking into old Bush Memorial Stadium. We had like seats like, I think it was like three rows from the top. And to me, it was paradise. Uh, because my only other experience with baseball was like watching it on like a small TV. Um, but being that high up at old Bush Stadium, you could just see everything. Um, and it didn't matter that the players are so tiny. Um, you could, the place was packed, you know, they're playing the Mets who were their just huge competitive rival at the time. Um, and, you know, and they played on that old crappy AstroTurf. But to me, it was like the greenest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> you know, it was like, wow, this is majestic. You know, <laughs> I could have given like one of those like cheesy George Will or Doris Kearns, Kearns Goodwin, like soliloquies on the, the baseball uh, uh, the Ken Burns baseball documentary. Um, and what unfolded ended up being the Tommy Hersey cushion game. Um, if you've ever read about that or heard about that, basically Tommy Her <laughs> hit a walk-off home run, walk-off grand slam, mind you, in the bottom of the 12th inning. And the giveaway that night had been seat cushions. And for the second time that evening, everyone who still had their seat cushions threw their seat cushion down onto the field. It was just like raining seat cushions. Um, and it was... I, it, you know, I, I don't know how else to describe it other than this way, and it sounds really cheesy and dumb. At the time, and even to this day, it was like one of the best nights of my life. It was like the greatest. You know, I was gonna be, I was gonna be a baseball fan anyway, and I was gonna be a Cardinals fan anyway. But you couldn't have started it off better than that, really. Uh, that was perfect. You know, Ozzy Smith was like my favorite player, my hero. He had a great game, and. I just remember thinking like, gosh, like, is this how it's always going to be? You know, every game I go to is going to be like this. And so, yeah, I think what I'm thankful for is just growing up in an area where like the baseball and the baseball rivalries mattered so much and to be lucky enough to be able to go to that old stadium and have that be my very first game. That's awesome. And we didn't talk about this beforehand. No one's going to believe this, but um, I was also going to talk about my first game uh, when I got to go to my first game and see the Cardinals play live. But before that, just to preface all of that, I always talk about how baseball is kind of my thing with my dad. And it's something that we've always done together. But more and more, baseball's really kind of become this thing that connects me to just about anyone. And by that, I mean, I have some pretty intense social anxiety, and I hide it well on the internet. But it's kind of crippling in real life until someone starts talking to me about baseball. And it sounds silly, but when I start talking about baseball, it's like the whole world opens up and I can talk to anybody about anything. And it's it's suddenly a thing that gives me a connection to other people. And I've met some amazing people because of this game and because of the Cardinals. I also work in sports television. And I know that sports personalities are supposed to be unbiased, but that's a, a lie. And I'll always be a Cardinals fan first. And I know as Cardinals fans... Right now, we're supposed to be threatening to boycott 2019 or something, but there's no place that makes me as happy as Bush Stadium does. I didn't grow up near St. Louis, so going to St. Louis, wandering around downtown, going to Bush is a little bit like Disneyland for me. Now, Bush 3 is the only iteration of the ballpark that I've ever seen in person. 
And my very first game, we sat, I think, on the second to last row at the very top of the stadium. Todd Wellemeyer pitched that day. And Albert Pujols knocked out one of the lights in one of the letters of the Big Mac sign with uh, with a home run. And I don't remember the final score. I don't remember much of anything else about it, but it was probably as happy as I've ever been in my life. Fast forward a few years, I started writing about the Cardinals in 2011, which turned out to be a pretty fun team to write about in the end. Um, and then I had the privilege of covering a number of Cardinals who are current Cardinals or were in that sort of 2011 to 2013 era, I covered them when they were minor league baseball players before the Cardinals moved their affiliation to Peoria. And that is when I fell in love with minor league baseball, which is a whole different animal, but it's incredible. And all of that started because of my dad, because baseball allowed me to connect with people, because I started working in sports, because I met some great people and started writing about them on the internet. And I say that to get to this, because it's going to sound really cheesy and scripted, but it's very genuine and very, very true. I could tell you a million little things that I'm thankful for about the Cardinals, like Adam Wainwright's charm and his heart of gold and Colton Wong, period. (laughs) Maybe the Albert Pujols era or the Pete Cosma era, like we talked about on the last show. But this year... I I honestly am so grateful for the birds on the black people. And it's going to sound so lame, but give me a second. Um, I've met some wonderful people through Cardinals Twitter, but this year working with this group of people has been inspiring and challenging and motivating in the best way possible. And it's given me this really exciting creative outlet. And while real life stuff has kind of ebbed and flowed pretty hard this year for me. The opportunity to do something that is so exciting and so fresh and so new and so involved with this team that I love so much and to do it with people that have become some of my favorite people in the world. um, It's it's really cool and I feel really, really lucky. So I think my favorite thing about sports in general is how they kind of transcend generations and geography and Cardinals baseball in particular is something that connects me to so many people that I would never otherwise have a connection to. And trust me, I'll go to baseball games by myself any day (laughs) and Twitter can be a little bit of a nightmare sometimes, but the power of sports to connect people is really special. And I mean, how can you not be romantic about baseball, right? And finding other people who feel the same way is pretty great. So that is a very long winding road about how grateful I am for baseball and the Cardinals and everything that's come with it. Right on. All right. So we're going to keep this week's episode short and sweet because, like I said, it's a holiday week and I'm sure you all have plenty of other things going on, as do Alex and I, but... We can't leave you without a chirp of the week, and it's back to Alex this time. Passing it over to you. Okay. Um, It is December 26th, and uh, I I think a lot of Cardinals fans know what this day is, and that's it's Ozzie Smith's birthday. Um, Ozzie Smith is 64 today. Uh, I mentioned him earlier. He uh, was my favorite player growing up, and he still is my favorite player. He will always be my favorite player. And there's something about Ozzie Smith that I think gets lost in his legacy, even though it was actually kind of obvious if you paid attention to his career. Um, 
In fact, if you don't mind, Tara, what's what do you first think of when you think of Ozzy Smith? Uh, when I first think of Ozzy Smith, I think of backflips. Yeah, I think that's most people think of the backflips. They think of the fielding. Um, I think what often gets lost, and you know, you hear a lot around this time of year because it's a free agency period about being on the wrong side of thirty. Right? We heard that expression a lot when we were signing Fowler. Um, you know, is he too old? You know, stuff like that. Um, Ozzy Smith was one of the best players after the age of 30 that has basically ever lived. Um, And that is the part of his legacy, I think, that gets overlooked. Um, If you go to Baseball Reference Play Index, um, which, again, everyone should should subscribe to, and you go back to basically the beginning of time, and you look at all shortstops who have – you look at all players who who played at least 90% of their careers at shortstop, and you look at their war – uh, their wins above replacement from after the age of 30. Atop the list is uh, the old White Sox shortstop Luke Appling um, with 52.8 wins above replacement. But he hasn't played since 1950, um, so I'm not really all that concerned with him. Right behind him at 52.1 wins above replacement is Ozzy Smith. Um, and the next contemporary player, um, and the next player actually, is Barry Larkin, who's around 35. Um, so after the age of 30, Ozzy Smith put up 52.1 wins above replacement, according to baseball reference. He was a five-win player at the age of 37. He was just this incredible athlete. And I think one play that really shows that is, Tara, have you ever seen that gif um, when the Cardinals are playing the Dodgers? I don't remember who it is, but someone's trying to break out the double play, and Ozzy just soars right above him and throws the ball to first. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you know what play I'm talking about, and you look at the uniform that he's wearing because it's not the pullover. It's, uh, you know, and if you look at Bush Stadium, you can kind of tell that this was like 1992 or 1993, which means Ozzy Smith was, was 38 years old when he did that. <laughs> um, he was just a guy who kept himself in great, great shape and was better than almost anyone who's ever lived after the age of 30. Um, a few years ago when he was doing interviews for this one it was like this kind of uh, charcoal brand thing or something. You know, he was like kind of doing the rounds of interviews. In fact, I interviewed him for uh, Viva Alberto's uh, at the time, which was quite a thrill. Um, but a lot of people asked him about the shift. And Ozzy kind of gave an answer um, that a lot of people didn't like, which is basically saying like baseball players aren't disciplined enough to, uh, you know, learn to just hit the ball the other way. And like, you know, they're only shifting because hitters are, are allowing them to do that. Um, one, it's kind of an obnox- it was kind of an obnoxious answer because pitchers are awesome these days in a way that they weren't that they've never quite been before, right? Like Ozzy faced wonderful pitchers like Dwight Gooden in his prime, you know, guys like that. But we didn't have, but back then didn't have all these guys, all these bullpens with p- players throwing, you know, well over 100 miles per hour on a nightly basis. That said, if there was one player who could actually kind of say that and you can almost believe them that he, he really actually believes what he's saying it is Ozzy Smith for one he was a great contact hitter and two he was the epitome of a player who always strived to get better um, and that meant even when he was age 30 when he was age 35 age 40 he showed up every year always trying to improve himself and I think you know most people think of like the the theatrics with Ozzy the great plays with Ozzy but what I think about when I think about Ozzy Smith is a guy who really, really got the most out of his ability until 
it was absolutely time to hang it up. Um, and even when he did hang it up, I'll tell you what, if his shoulder wasn't hurt, if his arm wasn't hurt, he still could have played a few more years at shortstop, mind you. The probably the most grueling position on the field besides catcher. Um, and that's the chirp of the week. Ozzie Smith, my favorite baseball player ever, one of the greatest players ever, one of the best players to ever play the game into his 40s. I have a feeling that someday a decade or so down the road, people are going to be talking about Yadier Molina the same way. I think Kyle or someone asked the other day on Twitter, like how many more years do you think Yadier Molina will play? Um, I think I either answered two or three. And then I, I think I said two. And then I was like, wait a second, what am I talking about? Like I could see him playing (laughs) four or five more years, but no, I I think Yadier Molina is actually a very interesting comparison to Ozzie Smith and that he's, he's not satisfied. He's had a great career so far, but he's still not satisfied. You know, yeah. he, he shows up every year with a purpose. And, and that's what I remember about Ozzy Smith. Yeah. Defying the odds, uh, especially as age becomes a more relevant part of that conversation. So there you go. Something that maybe you did or didn't realize about Ozzy Smith. But we're going to keep this short, as we said, let you all get back to the things that you're doing this week. And we will be back again next week with another episode of Chirps as we break into the new year and and hopefully do some fun things on this show as well. Also, don't forget to go check out the list of the winners for the beanie giveaway. That will be up on birdsontheblack.com as well. For now, though, you can follow Alex at AlexCard79 on Twitter. You can follow me at Tara Wellman. And we will be back with you again next week for another episode of Chirps. So we'll talk to you then.